also received. Before we keep reading, you cannot give something you don't have. You have to receive it first, amen? There's a lot of people, I believe, today trying to give things they don't have. So you have to receive it first. Paul says, I received it, now I give. And this is it, what? That Christ died for our sins. How many are thankful for that this morning? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he stayed in the grave. That's not what it says, amen. How many are thankful he didn't stay in the grave this morning? It says that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What scriptures? All the Old Testament scriptures that said he would. And then he was seen by Cephas, then seen by the 12. After he was seen by that, that over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. When he was writing this, they were still alive, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Father, this morning for a few minutes, we ask you to anoint your word. We thank you for having this great congregation of people here this morning that are loving you and learning about you and growing in you and finding out the greatness of your name, Father, this morning. We pray for our kids in the nursery and Sunday school this morning that everybody would leave this place changed by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. We give you the honor and the glory for your word this morning and ask you to speak to us, not through our carnality, Lord, but through the Spirit, Father, that this word would fall not, not on deaf ears, but on open ears, Father. And it would reach to the heart and it would bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? So here we see something simple. Why is this the best part? Because it says Jesus came and died. And it says he was buried. And it says he rose again from the dead. And that is the gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus came for everyone. He came to save all people. And I want to show you a few stories here in the Bible this morning, but I want to go a little further down in, in this chapter and just show you a couple more key verses. So what I'm trying to teach you is, if you want to tell someone like Dwayne said at prayer about Jesus, about what he's done for you, you have to understand what he did for you. Can't tell somebody what they did if you don't know what he did. Amen. Now we know we're saved. We know we're different. A lot of people that are new converts are in here and you're saying, man, I know I don't feel the same I used to feel. I don't think the same way I used to think something's going on in me but you might not really know what happened and so we're going to look in the scripture to see what happened but the bottom line is we were born sinners we were born lost we were born on a path to hell we were born really dead we were born with spiritual aids and have no choice about it whether or not we had or not it was there in us and God came and said I'm going to die for all humanity and I'm going to take your place that you deserve, how many know you deserve it? If you don't understand that, you gotta, can't get past that either. We all deserve death. None of us are deserving of eternal life. Why? Because we're not good. The Bible says there's none that's good, only God, amen? So we know this morning I deserve what's coming to me, but by his grace, I'm saved. And so we see that he came and he died and he rose from the dead, but watch this. If there is, verse 13, no resurrection of the dead, Christ is not risen. If Christ did not rise from the dead church, our faith and our preaching, verse 14 says, is empty and your faith is also empty. So what is the very most important thing about your faith this morning? That you believe that he rose from the dead. 
that you believe that he's not in the grave any longer, that you believe that he is not uh, just some person who, who has a, a gravestone like so many other people, amen? We know that Jesus Christ had a grave, but it was the most shortest grave to ever exist, amen? It only lasted three days and it was borrowed because his body did not stay there. And they have not found him till today. Why? Because he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. While I was in Costa Rica, I uh, saw something that was a very big blessing to me uh, on social media. But before I did, I'll go back a little bit. I saw a guy named Kenny that I used to be, that I used to play basketball with. He was one of my teammates. And I hadn't seen him for many, many years. And they called him Kenny Roots. Now, if anybody knows, I'm going to ask this morning. You might not know totally, but how many have ever heard of Rastafarianism? Okay. Now, how many really know what they believe? That's where you kind of lose it a little bit. You might know a little bit. If you've ever seen people with dreads, doesn't mean everybody who has dreads are Rastafarians, but that's something that's related to it. And uh, in Costa Rica, in the culture, there are a lot of immigrants from Jamaica. They're Costa Ricans. They were born there, but they immigrated from Jamaica. A lot of, a lot of the black African-Americans that came over were from Jamaica, from Jamaican descent. And so Rastafarianism is something that was founded in the country of Jamaica. And I would always see these guys, and a lot of them were teammates, and a lot of them were uh, just people you'd see, and they, they, one of the things they like to do is they like to smoke weed. It's something very spiritual for them. Amen. And uh, I'm, support, I'm, support, I'm sure things get real spiritual when you're smoking weed. Amen. Everything seems a little more powerful. So they would smoke that. They listened to reggae. If anybody knows Bob Marley, he was one of the biggest believers and pushers of the faith of Rastafarianism. It's actually a religion. Doesn't have tons of followers, but it does have about statistically about a million over the world. And it's actually not even really an actual religion that's been said it's a religion, it's just a following. But what they follow is a emperor from Ethiopia called his original name was Rastafari. That was his actual name. But he was actually called Selassie. That was his last name, and he was the emperor of Ethiopia. And for some reason, they believed that he was, they believe a lot of the Old Testament, a few of the first chapter, chapters of the Bible, uh, Abraham and Moses and things, but for some reason, they put their faith in this man, Selassie, who was Rastafari, and he was an emperor from Ethiopia, and he, um, basically, they claimed as to be the Messiah. Now, he died in 1975, and uh, this is just a, only about a 110-year-old religion, um, but it's something that's very rampant in that in that culture, and so uh, I didn't really know much about it when I first got there, other than that they liked to smoke weed and they had dreads and they listened to reggae music, and they would say a lot of things like Rasta and uh, Ras and different things like that, and they would say one love and one God and a lot of the things that you'd hear, and so this one teammate named Kenny, he was one of them, and I knew he was a little different. I knew that he, you know, he, he believed in that. I knew that he would wear things around his neck. He would, he would say things. He would make quotes and all that. They're very peaceful people in general. Um, but I, I, I knew that he was uh, a Rastafarian. So during the time of us playing together, I just shared my faith with him and tried to sow seeds with him and tried to tell him about the love of Jesus and tried to let my light shine. And what was really cool and what I want to bring this into this this morning is, is as I was uh, there in Costa Rica, I think last week sometime, I saw a post and I saw a picture of him, but he didn't have the dreads. 
and he was standing with a Bible in his hand and he was standing next to another man and then another player that I played against they were all standing there talking about being at a spiritual retreat and they were with a pastor and I was like wow and so I commented on there and I said Kenny this gives me so much joy I hadn't talked to him I wasn't even friends with him on Facebook but I commented and said I've this gives me so much joy to see that you have a Bible in your hand and that you're that you're living for the Lord and he's kind of said something like that and just left it at that and so at Wednesday when we were at the airport coming back I got a notification that uh, he responded back and he said Blake you are one of the seeds that was planted in my life for me to give my life to Jesus amen that's what it's all about church let me know that's what it's all about now this is 12 years later 10 12 years later haven't seen him and 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 thank God for being able to if, if it wasn't for that notification I would have never known till heaven but I went to his page and started looking he's preaching the gospel now he's left Rastafarianism and he believes not in some emperor who died in 1975 he believes in Jesus Christ the one who died on the cross went to the grave and rose from the dead can you say amen why would you worship somebody who's dead when you can worship Jesus who's alive how many believe he's alive this morning? How many believe he's coming back again this morning? Amen. How many believe he's the answer to all your problems and he's the answer to this world and salvation is in his name? Amen. He is the savior of the world and it goes on. Let's look just real quick down a few more verses in verse 20 that says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep that means that those people across the ages all the way back to Jesus that have put their faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and him risen from the dead they have gone to die but they're the first fruits of the resurrection and that's why the Bible says when the trumpet sounds the dead in Christ will rise what first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air with them and we shall ever be with the Lord how many are waiting still for that triumphant day when Jesus calls us home if you are not waiting for that I want you to I want to know what you're waiting for are you looking forward to the next election are you looking forward to the next Olympics or are you looking forward to Jesus coming back and getting that's what I'm looking forward to this morning amen that's all I want to see is his face the one who died for me now here's a math equation in the following verse before I show you a few stories in the Bible that maybe you can relate to for one, verse 21 for since by man came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead I was telling Kristen one day as we were talking I said 1 Corinthians 15 is the most simple way to explain the gospel to somebody it's all there it doesn't mean that John 3.16 is not important it doesn't mean that Romans 3.23 and 6.23 and 10.9 and 10 but this right here makes it simple because how many know the gospel's simple it means good news it means I was lost, but now I'm found. It means I was blind, but now I see. It means I was on a road to destruction, but now I'm on a road to eternal life, amen? And I can overcome anything through the power of Jesus' resurrection. That's the good news. Tell somebody next to you, we got good news this morning. One man came and brought death, verse 21 says. Another man, Jesus, why a man? Because he came down into the flesh. We must understand that Jesus left heaven and came into a fleshly body 
his deity, his divinity. They would say that that man, Selassie, Rastafari, was divinity, that he was human, or sorry, divinity and human nature. The problem with that is, is I've never heard of a person healed in Selassie's name. The problem with that is I've never heard a person have peace through the name of Rastafari. What does God do when he does something for us he shows us through his power Paul said I came not to preach a gospel of eloquent words but a demonstration of his power now how many people in this place have been healed by the power of the name of Jesus how many have had peace in here that only Jesus can give how many have been given a new life this morning that only comes from Jesus this morning amen that's the difference why worship God's creation when we can worship the creator says one man came and gave death another man came and gave resurrection for verse 22 watch as in Adam all die so in Christ all shall be made alive so that's an easy math equation some of you like math I wasn't good at math don't like math but one plus one equals two and one minus one equals zero amen I can do that Jesus came and cursed us sorry Adam came and cursed us Jesus came and saved us that's my kind of math equation I can understand that, amen? If, 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 if to be saved, I had to understand trigonometry, I'd be lost. Matter of fact, if, if to, to do algebra, I had to be saved, I'd be lost. Amen. Does anybody else in here struggle with math? That's not, an e- that's not a hard one, though. Jesus came to give us life. And verse 23 says, he came in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. Go to John chapter 3 with me. And I want to show you a couple of people in the Bible. Now, some of you might have heard this before. Well, God will show you something different. God will show you something different. If you've heard it before, my question to you and my challenge is to you is, what are you doing with it? That's our call. As we talk about the gospel, one gospel for all people this morning, we see all those different languages up there, and we know that we're supposed to, like Dad said at the offering, preach the gospel to all the world and go. We need to ask ourselves, are we doing it? Not just say it, but are we doing it? And I'm not talking about even as organized people in a church service or an organized outreach as a church. Are you doing it individually? Because we're called to be soul winners. Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. So that would mean he who doesn't win souls is not wise. Amen. How many want to be soul winners this morning? I'm going to want to tell people about what Jesus has done for you, amen, and spread the word of God. It's an individual one-on-one thing. And I tell you this story this morning not to brag about something that I did, but to tell you that you don't always see the fruit right away. I never, you never know. Like I said, if it wasn't for seeing a notification, I would still think that that man is lost in the, in the religion of Rastafarianism and he's serving some God that's dead but now I know he's alive and he's alive in Jesus and that seed was planted many, many years ago and the Bible really tells us that until we get to heaven, we're not really going to know what we did and a lot of people stop watering and stop sowing seeds because they don't see something with their eyes. Faith tells us that it's the evidence of things not seen and so we are not called to change people, we're called to tell people. Can I say that again? We're not called to change people, we're called to tell people. God's the one that changes. We're the ones that tell, amen? We're supposed to tell people about what Jesus did for us. And so we see right here in John 3, 
a man called Nicodemus comes. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, to write this as the religious man. God can reach religious people. And as we get into Nicodemus for a second, I want you to know that a sad statistic today is church growth is a good word. Church growth. That a church would grow, not just ours, but churches would grow, meaning numerically, meaning that new people would come in. The problem is 80% of church growth in the United States is what's called transfer growth. 80%. That means eight out of every 10 people, and I would think that that's actually low. It's probably higher than that. It's probably 98. But they say 80, meaning eight out of every 10 people in a church has come not into that church from not knowing Jesus, but they've come into that church from another church. Now, we're not talking about somebody who moves to a different city. We're not talking about somebody who uh, has never been to church. We're talking about people who would leave a church that they've been saved in and go to another church that seems to be more appealing. That's transfer growth. And so that's not what God called us to do. We don't build this church. Victory World Outreach is not founded on the thought of let's go get people out of other people's aquariums. Let's go get the fish out of the other people's aquariums. No, God said, go get the fish that are in the sea that are lost and are hurting and are dying. Does anybody know some lost and hurting and dying people this morning? That's who we're after. We're not after people who already know Jesus. We're after the lost. That's what God has called us to do. And in this church and in our home church and in many churches around the world, we deal with some messed up people. The, re the real gospel is ugly. It's ugly. Why? Because we're dealing with people who have ugly sin and who are lost and are hurting. You know, there's nothing pretty about a hospital emergency room. Matter of fact, it's very ugly, very dirty, very smelly. Things that, you know, people don't come into the emergency room and have doctors say, hey, you need to go down to the other hospital. You're too bloody for us. Yet in the church world, we find that because the church world's looking for people who already have it together. But that's not who Jesus came for. Jesus came for the lost. Amen. We may be in here this morning a little bit cleaned up. We may, we may have some things together, but don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who you were before you met Jesus. Amen. Because if you forget who you were, you'll never be able to minister to somebody else. And Nicodemus was that man. I don't want to read the whole story for a couple stories here, but most of you have heard of the name. He comes to him at night. He's what the Bible calls a Pharisee. He's a very religious, very smart, very educated on the Judean law, on, on Judaism and on Ju Ju uh, being a Jew. He, he knows it all. He understands it all. He walks the walk of talks the talk of being a Jew. And so he, he realizes, I can't go talk to Jesus. I'm hearing about this man and I'm being drawn by the spirit, but I can't go in the daytime because I can't let my religious friends see me go. So he goes at night. He sneaks in at night and he comes to Jesus and he asks the question that's famous in the Bible today. He says, what must a man do to be saved? How many want someone to ask you that? That's where we really want to get in our walk. We want to be walking with the Lord so much that someone comes and says, what do I got to do to be saved? That's the only question I want to hear someone ask me. Amen, that's a great question. He says, what do I got to do to be saved? And watch this, verse three. Jesus answers and said, and let me make a quick note. In verse 2, how many remember the story I talked about Judas when Judas was talking to Jesus and he was one of the 12, but he called him rabbi? He did not call him Lord. We see here in John 3 that obviously Nicodemus comes as a rule of the Jews and he calls him rabbi because he doesn't know what salvation is yet. 
Somebody catch that. He's in the church. He knows a lot about the Bible, but he's not saved. Why is he not saved? Because salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. That was a really good place to say a much stronger amen. Because we need to be clear about that. The Bible says there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. So he's religious, and he has the, the do's and the don'ts, and he has an understanding about God, but he's not saved. He calls him rabbi. He says, what do I need to be, do to be saved? And Jesus says, here's the answer, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people say, well, what is that? Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? How can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, watch this, unless a person is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you are born again, it means you've been born once physically physically born of the water means physically you came you ever heard the word term that water breaks we just had a recent baby we have a baby that's less than a month old we have lots of babies in the church when a baby's born the water breaks they're born of the water they're coming to the world in the flesh they're born once in the flesh so jesus is not talking about being born again physically we're already been born he says unless you're born of the water i mean you broke your water broke when you gave when your wife gave birth and you came into this life unless that happens and then the second comes which is of the spirit man cannot enter the kingdom of god so being born again means my spirit now which is dead is born again my spirit which does not know god comes to life now that spirit is in you that spirit is there and it's waiting to be awakened by God, by Jesus in your life. And then when you are born again, you think different. You talk different. You walk different. You act different because you're not the same person that you used to be. So he tells this religious man, you cannot be saved unless you are born again, meaning you need to be born different. And this is a great answer, if you'll remember, for all those people, regardless of what it is, that say, this is how I was born. How, many, how much do we hear that in society now? This is how I was born. This is the way I was born. Come on, somebody help me out. This is the way I feel. This is how God made me, they say. This is how I was born. They go back to that. And here's the great thing. You say, yes, that might be the case. You can go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt, even though it's not true. But you say, go ahead, I'll go ahead and give you the benefit of the doubt. The Bible says for you to be saved, you have to be born again. Again. So the way you were born the first time or other, however you believe it is, it was wrong. And to be saved, you've got to be born again. And when you're born again, you're born into Jesus and you're born into his truth. So that's no longer allowed, that scapegoat. So Jesus comes to a religious person, someone who thinks they've got it together, and he says, you must be born again. Go over to the next chapter, chapter 4. And we see another awesome story. This would be the one of somebody that's called an outcast. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Might be some people in here who someone as you in your life has called you an outcast. You've been different. You've been um, not, not, maybe you were the black sheep of your family. Maybe you've had a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. There's a lot of hurting people in a church, even though now we're saved. That's the greatest thing about the church is embracing each other's struggles. 
embracing the, the pains we've come through and being able to say, you know what, you're, you're dealing with something, so-and-so in our church has dealt with that. Go talk to them and let them minister to you and tell you how to get victory over that because they went through that same thing you went through. You know, you know you go through things so that you can eventually help somebody else out. Now, I'm not talking about bad decisions. That's another story. I'm talking about things that happen to you that you have no control over. I know some bad things happen to good people. You have no control over things that have happened to you. I'm not talking about the decisions you make. I'm talking about things that just happened in your life, and, and, and those things happen now so that you being born again can help others and say, Jesus is the one that can help you through this. Jesus is the one that can give you peace. Jesus is the one that can heal you this morning of what's been ha what has happened to you that, you have, that wasn't fair. So now we have a person that would be considered an outcast. Why? Because she's a Samaritan in chapter 4. And Jesus comes to her, and she's at a well, and he's thirsty. And it says in verse 6, Jacob's well was there and it says he comes and says verse 7 give me a drink for the disciples have gone away to buy food in verse 8 and the woman says how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and the reason she's an outcast and she's messed up is the Samaritans were what they called half breeds Samaritans were people who had some beliefs in the Jewish traditions but they worshipped idols and so they mixed things and so for the Jews, a Samaritan was somebody that was horrible because they were taking the truth and messing it up and messing with it. They'd be really similar to today to someone who claims to be a Christian but doesn't live it. And so Jesus comes to this woman and she's basically realizing, and this is kind of what happens to us when we get saved if you think back to it, whether it was 20 years ago or 20 days. You come to Jesus and you come with the attitude that this Samaritan woman has. She says, how can you, being God and holy, come talk to me who's lost and unworthy? That's basically what she's saying. And how many know when we come to Jesus, that's the first thing we feel? How am I worthy to be saved? How many times people don't get saved or get, be born again or give their lives to the Lord because the devil lies in their ears and says, you're too lost. You're too messed up. You're too much of an outcast. Jesus can't have you which we know is not true. And so she says, how are you talking to me? How is this possible? And Jesus says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, can you give me a drink? You'd have asked and he'd have given you, given you living water. See, now that we're saved, we understand what we have is living water. This isn't religion. This isn't a church membership. It's living water. It's life, amen. How many have come to know this is life? Jesus says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give life and life more abundantly. Doesn't mean we don't have problems. Doesn't mean we don't have struggles, but Jesus comes to give life. And this, this is what you find when you meet Jesus. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, I'd give you living water. Now watch this. He goes on to say to her, whoever drinks, verse 13, of this water will never thirst again. Of this order, we'll thirst again, sorry, living physical water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I give will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So he's talking to her, and I love this part. Read on with me. Verse 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. I'm going to make a statement here. Jesus will save you and change you right where you're at. 
He will not ask you to do anything before you change. But once he changes you, he's going to ask you to change some things. He won't leave you this. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so he's going to come in through a message and through the Holy Spirit, and he's going to hit you between the eyes, and he's going to tell you this is what you need to change in your life so that you can come and follow me. Not because I, don't lo- not because I love you any less because of your problems, but I need you to change so I can use you. I need you to become more like me. He'll catch you just like you are, amen, but then he'll turn you into who he wants you to be. And so he says this to her, go call your husband and come here. So he, he, he hits her right where she's at. And the woman says, I have no husband. And he says, you have said well that you have no husband because you've had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. In that you spoke, spoke truly. And this is where we see that when I have a born again experience and I'm saved, I begin to confess my sins to the Lord because the Lord knows them already. Quit trying to hide things from your past and not bring things up. Be real with God because he already knows. He already knows. He's like, let me get you started here on the confession train. Bring your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. Tell me about that. Matter of fact, let me tell you how many you've had. Let me tell you the one you're with is not your husband. Amen. We try, to, we, try to, we try to fool everybody not realizing God knows it all. He knows it all. So just confess it and come clean with it. And when you come clean, First John says there's healing in that. That if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to heal us and forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So this lady goes on. She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. She says, you, there, you, there's got to be something about you that's different because there's no way you could know that about me because I haven't told nobody. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. And he goes on and leads her to the Lord. And I want you to see the, the, the end result of this a little further down. The woman says in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he I who speak to you am he and Jesus says I who speak to you am he what a powerful word it says at this point the disciples come back and even his disciples begin to judge he's talking to a Samaritan woman why are they talking to her why is she talking to her and watch this he move, he pushes her, she moves on to leave and watch this I love this verse verse 29 she says come see a man who told me all the things I ever did she becomes an evangelist church when you get saved you become an evangelist when you get saved you need to begin to tell people about what the Lord has done for you come see the man who's told me all the things I ever did and what's the great news is he forgives I want you to go to 8 to finish this morning chapter 8 I'm just showing you a few people that maybe you can relate with or someone you know can relate with that needs Jesus the first one was the religious man second one was the lady who was an outcast and the third one is what could be called the chief sinner 
John chapter 8, we see in verse 1, everyone went to his own house and Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him, sat down and he taught them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had sent her, set her in the midst, they said to him, now watch this, teacher, this woman, and they say it again, was caught in adultery in the very act. Meaning this was not a rumor. This is something we know is true. And he brings this lost woman caught in the act of adultery. Today, in our society, nothing's bad anymore. But there was a time that it was so bad if you were any, any kind of promiscuity sexually that you were an outcast and that you were stoned. And I even remember reading the book, The Scarlet Letter, they slapped an A on your, on your, on your clothes. So that everywhere you went, you were called an adulterer. Today, those kind of things are almost exalted, but there used to be a time when they were looked down on. Amen. And on that note, tonight, let me throw a plug in. We're going to be praying for our kids going back to school tomorrow. All kids, all ages, so please come back tonight with your children. doesn't matter if kindergarten to high school or college. We're going to pray for all the kids, but we're also going to have a renewing of our vows with our purity rings. So this is mostly and most importantly any kids that are in junior high or high school and um, we, we, there's purity rings I sent out a text about this and if you don't have one you can always get them one later but the idea is that they would wear a ring that would remind them that they were going to save themselves till marriage we live in a very promiscuous generation we live in a lot of things that are going on this sex is being pushed and pushed and pushed in crazy ways and I'm going to give some, t- some statistics tonight about that but we want to pray for all the middle school and high schoolers that are going to go into high school tomorrow and pray that they'll be conscious of that to stay pure. Amen? And even people who are not in high school or college, if you're single and you want to stay pure and you want to make a statement to the devil, I'm going to stay pure till I'm married. We'll pray for you tonight. Amen? Because this is something that's attacking us greatly and it's not something new as we can see here in the Bible. And so the Bible says, Moses, the law, let's finish with this, verse 5, commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? And they said, testing him, that they might have something from which to accuse him. And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And so they continued asking him and raised himself up. And he said this question, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, as we finish this story right here, the fact that she was an adulterer had not changed. Just because the accusers left didn't mean she hadn't committed adultery. What Jesus was trying to prove is not that she wasn't guilty not that she hadn't made a mistake but he was trying to prove that they had sin in their lives too and it might not have been so visual or so out known or so public but every person has sin in their lives that they have to deal with 
And, and one of the worst things that happens to us as believers, as we grow in the Lord and get older and mature in the Lord, which really is not even mature at the same time, is we begin to forget again what we came from. And then we begin to focus a lot of times on the sins of other people. And we begin to look at the things that other people are doing. And we begin to focus on their failures. And we begin to be, realize that pride comes in without us even knowing it. And we begin to think that we're better than them. And we begin to look down on them. Listen, if you ever get to a place where you look down on people, you can't help them. You have to stay humble and realize I'm lost just like them without Jesus. Doesn't matter how good I am. Doesn't matter how much I've changed. I was like them. And if you're really honest, probably worse. Because what happens a lot of times is we get saved and maybe we leave the drugs. Maybe we stop drinking the bottle. Maybe we stop having adultery. Maybe we stop committing fornication. Maybe we stop doing some of those big visual sins. Yet we get bombarded with anger. We have unforgiveness in our heart. We talk about other people. We lie about other people. We slander, whatever. There's so many things that come in that are not visual sins that rot the heart of a Christian. And it's our job to stay compassionate. It's our job to never lose touch with the lost. And you know how you do that? You be with them. Not, not party with them. Not hang out with them where they hang out. I'm talking about you minister to them. You reach them. You talk to them at work. You talk to them at school. You share your faith. You live your life so that they can see Jesus Christ in you. So that one day they'll say, I want what you have. There's something different about you. But if you're not around them, they can't know you're different. So we have to comp we have compassion and say, listen, I am no better than you. I'm just saved. And you can be saved too. And you can tell them, man, I was worse than you. I promise you, I, I made big mistakes. Relate to them. Have compassion with them. Don't judge them with the way of saying, man, you're, you're just so lost. Just, you're so messed up. Well, so were you. If we lose touch of that, you'll never be able to be a soul winner. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I never really even got into those big things. You're still lost without Jesus. Look at Nicodemus. He knew the law. He knew the, 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 the things of God, but he was lost because he did not know Jesus. He had not been born again. And so it says, he who without sin, let him stone her first. She's left alone. Everybody leaves. And Jesus says, he raises her up and says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they at? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Neither do I condemn you. Then he says some even the most more powerful words. He says, now go and sin no more. Meaning go and don't do it again. Don't keep falling into that same trap this morning. Don't keep doing the same thing that's caused you so much pain. Get away from that. Start making some new decisions. Start making some new friends. Start making some new uh, uh, ways to, to, to live your life that aren't the old ways that brought you so much pain. Get around some people who love Jesus. Amen. Get around some people who are passionate about souls. Get around some people who, who want to outreach and want to tell people about the Lord because that's what God has called us to do. Amen. He has called us to go because the gospel is for all of us. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning as the musicians come.
Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And God, we thank you that there's, there's people, even in this place this morning, God, that don't know you personally as their Lord and Savior, that have not been born again. Lord, we're not talking about this morning again about some kind of membership of the church or even being baptized maybe as a kid or baptized in water or, or, or quoting some verses, Father. Your word says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Some might say here this morning, Lord, how do I know if I've been born again? Well, your word says that our spirit bears witness with our spirit. It's your spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And so this morning, your spirit is drawing people, calling people to, to repentance. The Bible says, your word says, Father, that your kindness and your love draws people to repentance. That you're such a loving God and such a powerful God and such an amazing God that you died for us while we were sinners. You didn't wait for us to get things together and have everything right. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. How many all over this place this morning might say, you know what, I, if I really think about it, I'm like Nicodemus. I've got a head knowledge. I believe in God. I know he's real, but I have not been born again. Maybe you're here and you think, man, I'm so messed up. I'm the outcast. I believe, but I, I do things I know I shouldn't do. I'm mixing truth with lies. I'm doing things I know I shouldn't do and I know they're hurting you, Lord. Maybe you're that outcast in your eyes or in the devil's eyes. Or maybe this morning you're that person that even though you're here in church, you're blatantly living in sin. You're like the adulterous woman. You've been caught in the act. There's no denying that you're, that you're in trouble spiritually this morning. And you need forgiveness. The great thing is, is this gospel message is for all those things this morning. Nobody in here is ineligible. We're all eligible this morning for salvation. We cannot give to somebody else what we don't have. I can't tell somebody, Jesus loves you, or tell somebody, you need Jesus, if I don't have Jesus in my life, if he's not Lord and Master and Savior. And the bottom line is, church, we know how the book ends. We're all going to die one day. If Jesus doesn't come back before, we're all going to pass into eternity. Where are we going to spend it? Our faith has to be in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and him risen from the dead this morning. And if you believe that this morning with all your heart, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean everything's going to come together exactly like you want. What it means is that your faith is not in what you can do, but it's in what Jesus did. How many all over this place, regardless of which one of those you are, could say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure this morning that if I walk out of this place, I walk out unsaved. I'm not sure if I might, my name's in the book of life. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure this morning. Just put your hand up and say, would you pray with me this morning? All over this place, I'm not saved, but I want to be. I want to know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. 
See, that's the question, church, that you need to ask people. That's the question that you need to ask your friends. That's the question you need to ask your family members. That's the question you need to ask your coworkers. You need to ask those at school that you go to school with. You need to ask them, do you know where you'd go, where you'd spend eternity if you died? Because that's a reality. Jesus wants you to be saved this morning. But he wants your friends to be saved too. So if you know your salvation, you're able to give to others. How many in this place as we close this morning would say, I want to be a greater soul winner? Put your hand up. I want God to use my life. God sees your hand. I want God to to speak through me and, and allow me to share what I have with others. I want to win souls. God sees your heart. Some of you might say, I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. The Bible says, don't worry about that. God will give you the words. You just be willing to open your mouth. You just be willing to tell people. And the best thing you can do is say what God did for you. What did God bring you out of? What did you used to do that you knew was wrong that God has set you free from? That's how you start. You say, man, I used to do this. I used to do that. But God has set me free from that and God can set you free too. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to open up the altar for a few minutes. You know, sometimes we hear gospel messages and we think, man, I know all that. But then God says, well, what are you doing with it? This gospel that we have is for everybody. But the Bible says it's our responsibility and it's our job to tell people about what Jesus has done for our lives. If you want to be a greater soul winner this morning, you come and you say, God, help me. God, equip me. God, put things in my heart. Put things in my spirit. Give me a burden for the lost. Help me to share my faith. And Lord, help me not to walk in ways that would be suspect, that would cause others to fall. The way you do that this morning is by falling in love with Jesus. You say, I was in love with him last week. Fall in love with him again. Just keep falling in love with him. Keep giving him your heart over and over again. And when the devil comes and tries to steal, you just push that back and say, no, this heart is God's. It's not mine, it's God's. As we sing a song this morning, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You speak to God and whatever the Lord places on your heart this morning, Maybe you're thinking about a loved one, a, a friend, a family member that's not saved. Pray for them this morning. This gospel's for everybody this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Come, just as you
are this morning, come to Him. Hear the Spirit. Yes. Spirit's calling you this morning. Come. Just as you are. Come to Him this morning. Come and see. Come receive. Oh, there's living water. This morning, he has the strength that you need. Taste the living waters and never thirst. Never thirst again. Life everlasting. He's the strength that you need right now. thirst again and never thirst again one more time life everlasting for this, that the Spirit of God would fill you. We need to understand that it's not our words that change people. When we're born again, that means the Spirit of God comes in. And we need to pray, Lord, fill me so that when I speak, it's your words. So when I walk, it's your walk. So when I think, it's your thoughts. It's not anything we can do. If you try to change people in your own power, you'll lose every time. But if you let God fill you up and fill you up and fill you up over and over again, then those rivers of living water will begin to flow out of you. And you won't even have to think about what you're saying because God will be so strong in you this morning. So as we begin to pray, I don't want you to pray, I don't want to pray by myself. I want you to ask God to fill you. I want to ask you to ask God to touch you. I want you to ask God to give you words this morning to give you burden, to give you, to give you a heart for the lost this morning so that you can go out and tell people that Jesus is the answer this morning. Father, right now, I pray over this church and I pray over every man and every woman and every teenager, God, that you'd fill them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, with the gospel of truth this morning. God, that you'd fill them with the fire of the Holy Spirit, God, that would burn inside of them in such a way 
that they cannot be silent, Father, that they cannot keep their mouth shut, God. But Lord, it'll be like Jeremiah said. It'll be like fire shut up in my bones. And I have to speak what the Lord has put on my heart. And I have to tell somebody what Jesus has done for me because this is not some religious act this morning. This is my life that's been changed, my life that's been transformed, my life that's been renewed, my life that's been set on a new path to heaven this morning, God. And Lord, I pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would come down right now and fill us right now and baptize us in your Holy Spirit, God, because it's by your power, it's by your spirit, Father. It's not by our might this morning. And things take place, God. And devil, we come against you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we bind doubt and we bind fear. And we bind the lies of the enemy that would tell us we're not worthy. That would tell us we're not able. That would tell us we can't do it. Because God, we can. The gospel is for all. It's for the Greek. It's for the Jew. It's for the man. It's for the woman. Lord, it's for every race this morning. It's for every person. And Lord, you have the power of life in our our tongues this morning and we will open our mouths and we will speak forth what you've put in our hearts this morning in Jesus name let's give him praise right now let's give him praise this morning come on king of kings and lord of lords hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord thank you Jesus thank you father lord touch me this morning and use me Touch me and use me. Put your words in my mouth. Put a burden in my heart. Lord, to love your word, to love your presence, to love your spirit. God, there's a, there's a mighty potential in this place, God. Lord, there's, there's evangelists all over this altar. And Lord, they're wanting to be used. God, show them that you can use them. Give them visions, God. Give them boldness this morning, God. Let them understand that it's not in their power. It's not in their might. But it's in you, Jesus, that if I fill myself up with you, I surround my mind with the things and the thoughts of Christ, God, your words will come out. And Lord, you'll give me a harvest. And you'll, you'll bring people to your feet, Lord Jesus, through my life. And my prayer for you this morning, church, is what my prayer has been for months now, that God would turn men's hearts to him. If you're here and you've got a family member, you've got a friend, you've got somebody that's a neighbor, or a co-worker, somebody that needs prayer this morning, somebody that needs Jesus, I want you to pray what I've been praying. Turn their hearts to you. Just say that to, to the Lord every day. God, turn men's hearts to you. Because the bottom line is Christ is drawing them. We just need to pray that they would see it, that the blinders would be taken off and they would see the truth this morning. How many want to, want to see by the end of this year, the next three or four months, a harvest come in through you, through you, amen, individually. We'll always do things as a church, church, but the true, true evangelism is one-on-one. -on -one. It's sharing your faith with people and bringing them in and letting them see Jesus in your life and don't have to be here. The end result is they get to church and they learn and they're discipled. But you can lead them to salvation right there at the house. You can lead them right to salvation on the street, in the supermarket, wherever. Don't have to be here. 
You just take them through those words and say, put your faith in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please, please come back tonight. We want to pray for all the kids. This is so important. We know that our schools are a war zone right now with morality, immorality, and we need to, to cover our kids for this year and, uh, and make this statement to the devil that we're going to stay pure. I'm going to give you some stats tonight that will blow you away. They'll show you how hard we need to pray and how much things that are happening even in the government to continue to push on our kids are happening. We've got to pray against those things. Crazy, ridiculous things. Amen. So come back tonight for that. If you don't have, if you have a ring for your child, your teenager, bring that tonight and we'll, we'll make that prayer. If you don't, you can always get them one later. But there's something about looking at that ring and reminding yourself, I'm going to stay pure. It's something that's very powerful. Many of our teens have already done that. So tonight we're just going to pray for that renewal for a new school year. Amen. I, mean, I want to do one thing real quick. Mike, if you'd come up here. I know you love to stand in front of people. If I gave you a ball, you might feel better. <laughs> Mike is, uh, is going to be going to Spain on Tuesday. He's going to play another season overseas. So we're going to lift him up and pray that uh, this is the next step before the NBA. Is that all right? All right. <laughs> God can do amazing things. Amen. I know that I know that Mike is, if you've ever talked to Mike, he's pretty quiet, but he definitely loves the Lord. And he's gonna go over there and stay on fire for God. And he's gonna be an ambassador for us in Spain. Amen. We need to pray that he finds a good church. We need to pray that doors open up for that. So um, if you Brian, I know you want to come up here and pray with him too. Um, as his brother. No, I, yeah, that's right, that's right. He wanted to play in Spain, he's going to go to Spain. Amen, so God opened up that door. So just extend your hands if you would, and we'll pray over him. He's leaving Tuesday, and uh, how long is it? Um, season, until April, so eight months. Father, we lift up Mike before you this morning, and first of all, we want to thank you for, for saving him that he's saved this morning, Father, that he, he believes in you as the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. And Lord, last year you took him to Italy, to Malta, Father, and today, Lord, you're sending him to Spain. And Lord, we know that, that his desire is to play basketball, and, and Lord, that's what he's going to be doing. Besides that, God, that's just, his, that's just his ticket to be a witness. And God, we ask that you'd open up doors on his team, Father. Lord, just as you were able to use me with a lot of my teammates today, God, I pray that you'd use Mike to, to be an a explosion of the gospel, Father, that he would get, have a boldness and a clarity of spirit to, to minister to those teammates, God, to, to be able to minister to kids that would look up to him in that country, Lord, and that he would be able to break the spirits of religion in that country of Spain, God, and that city that he's going to be in. We ask you, Lord, to open up doors, not only spiritually, but also financially and physically to open up doors to play in even better teams and better tournaments, God. We just ask you to open up the floodgates of heaven as he's been faithful with little, Lord, we ask you to give him much this morning. We ask you to cover his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, and we ask that no injury would come to him that all his muscles and tendons and all his bones would be strong, Lord, so he could come play for you to the best of his ability, Father. And then everything he does, he will give you glory, Father. And we thank you for the ultimate result, God, of being able to reach the most people, Lord. You can open doors that no one else can open, Father. 
We thank you for that this morning and we bless him and we give him covering as a church while he's away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love on Mike. You won't see him for a few months. We'll see you back tonight for prayer. There was a great spirit of prayer in the prayer room this morning. Amen. Love on each other as you go this morning.